0: God is moving in this place, and in so many lives, I haven't heard all the details yet, but Nathan told me that three teens gave their life to Christ on our our winter retreat. We've had people uh, showing up off the streets just saying, I I need to learn more about Jesus. It's like, oh, okay, well, you've come to the right place. He's coming in. And I want them to come into your life and uh, and into this church in even greater ways, don't you? So exciting things. Thanks for being a part of this morning. If you're new here, thanks for being here. Thanks for taking a chance, taking a risk, and uh, joining us. We've got little info cards in your bulletin. Fill that out for us. Turn it in the Welcome Center. We'll make sure you get a a free gift, uh, a thank you gift from us, as well as a bunch more information about the church as a whole. So uh, grateful that you're here. Uh, If you're joining us today, as Nathan said, or as Ryan said before, it's really a great day to be here. Uh, The first service this morning was incredible. I was kind of speechless to see the choir uh, in full effect and just blessing that service uh, so well. Uh, The the, the seats were packed and the stage was packed. There was just a great spirit and a great energy in that place and great stories of redemption. Uh, It it was a cool morning, a great first service. This service, Kim's doing some great things for us right now and the the band uh, bringing a great spirit in here. And tonight we're excited to kind of bust the roof off that place next door as well as get on our knees and, and pray hard. Uh, for for us and for the city and for what God's gonna do in both those places. So uh, come to every service, all the services. Just come on Monday afternoon for the heck of it if you want to, man. Uh, We'll be here and uh, we'll be praying and praising with you. Let me pray for us one final time and we'll dive into our our sermon. God, the hope is that we would encounter you, we would see you, we would experience you, we'd hear from you because we believe that you are alive. You're not just a theory, you're not just an idea, but you're a real person you're a real being and so we pray that we would spend some time with you now and that as kim said before that time with you would change us would make us a change people make it so in jesus name we pray amen Have you ever had somebody start a, a conversation with the phrase so i've got good news and i got bad news which one do you want to hear first ever been in that situation well that's exactly the situation the 12 disciples found themselves in just a few days before jesus died on the cross. Now imagine the scene with me. The disciples are gathered together with their friend, their rabbi, Jesus. It's most likely a Thursday night, and they've gathered around a meal. They are here to share a meal together. And yet even though the food is plentiful on the table, no one's really all that hungry. No one really has that much of an appetite tonight. Because you see, they don't know when, and they don't exactly know what, but they know something awful is about to go down. they can just see it on their master's face they can hear it in their rabbi's voice he has hinted at this moment over the years but his language was always somewhat cryptic it was always somewhat confusing he would say things like i am going away Uh, i would say things like i'm laying down my life he would say things like destroy this temple but these statements they, they just went over the head of the disciples and they never truly penetrated the hearts of the disciples They didn't know why he would say things like that. And recently, they didn't know why Mary was anointing his feet as if ready for burial. They didn't know why Judas was suddenly acting so strange. And they didn't know why Jesus was suddenly talking so seriously. Then all of a sudden, he washes their feet. So now they're thoroughly confused. What are you doing? What is going on right now? So he says it as clearly as he knows how. My children, John 13, 3, I will be with you only a little longer. And where I'm going... You cannot come. I'm going to the Father, he said, where you will see me no longer, John 16, 10. And a little bit later, I came from the Father and I entered the world, but now I am leaving the world and I'm going back to the Father. Over and over again, he says the same thing. In fact, he uses the exact same language each and every time. Ten times in this one speech, ten times at this one meal, he says it. I am going away. And by going away, everybody knew what he meant. I am going to die. And it's going to happen soon. Very soon. Now, calling this bad news, well, that would be an understatement of the year, wouldn't it? That's about as bad as bad news gets. These 12 men left everything to follow Jesus. They left their families, their friends, their homes, their jobs, their their dreams. They trudged on foot for who knows how many miles through, through the country roads of the Mediterranean region. They shared meals together, shed tears together, slept in the streets together, endured storms together. They experienced pain and persecution and problem after problem after problem. But over the last three years, in addition to all that stuff, they also participated in the miraculous. Over the last three years, they saw water turn to wine. They saw sick people healed. They saw temples cleansed. They saw lepers loved. They saw Pharisees stumped. They saw dead people raised from the dead. You over the last three years, these men have had some wild experiences, have they not? It has been a crazy, wild ride for these 12. Their life went from normal to anything but, from ordinary to extraordinary, from mundane to miraculous. I mean, how could you talk about those years? How could you, how could you put that into, into words? Well, we kind of did this, and then we saw this, and then, whoo, what about that day? Man, it's been a wild ride. It's been a wild three years. They're no longer just ordinary fishermen, are they? They're no longer just tax collectors. But now, at this dinner and in this moment, they hear Jesus saying something. They're saying that even though they've spent every single day together for the last three years, it's all coming to an end. In fact, tomorrow will be the very last day they spend together. He's leaving them. He's going away. And thus, they will no longer hear his voice. They will no longer feel his touch. They'll no longer experience his power. They'll no longer see his face. They'll no longer be empowered by his presence. All of those things are coming to an abrupt end. Or are they? Because after telling the disciples that he's leaving, Jesus turns to them and says, okay, so that's the bad news. Now I've got some good news. Now, if I were in that moment, I'd be like, good news, are you serious? There's no such thing as good news after that bad news right? It's kind of like Job. Okay, your house fell down, all your kids are dead, you're going to be sick, and all your wealth has been squandered and wasted. But now for the good news. Like, what good news? There is no good news in light of the bad news. You're going away, Jesus. You're telling us that you're going to die. You're going to leave us alone. What could possibly be good? What good news could possibly come out of that situation? But Jesus continues. He says in John 16, you are filled with grief because I've said all this to you. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. See, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I have so much more to say to you, he says, more than you can even bear right now. But when he, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you. He will be in you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. No, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled right now, my friends. Do not be afraid. God, Jesus knows that in this moment, at this dinner... His time is running out. His time is running short. He knows the atmosphere is heavy. He knows the disciples are scared to death about his upcoming death. He knows that his disciples need to hear something. His disciples need to receive something to make it through the next few moments, but also the next few days, weeks, months, and years. And it's interesting what Jesus doesn't give them in this moment. It's interesting what he doesn't say to them. He doesn't say, guys, I think you should just pick up the scriptures and just start reading. He doesn't say, I think you should memorize the Psalms right now. That that would help you get through the next few moments. He doesn't say that I think you should come together and take communion. In fact, let's just have a let's just let's just praise right now. Let's just have some worship right now. He doesn't even say, like, hey, you guys have what it takes. He doesn't talk about their self-esteem or or what they have or how they're gonna make it through this. He doesn't tell them to band together or to stick together. He doesn't say any of that. He talks about one thing and one thing only: the most important thing: the Holy Spirit. He prepares his closest friends for his death and for his departure by talking about one thing, the most important thing, the Holy Spirit. Five times in this conversation, Jesus says, I'm sending someone else to you. He's called the paraclete, another word for advocate, counselor, helper, the Spirit of God, the breath of God. He will come to you, and when he comes, he will supernaturally help you, teach you, guide you, and empower you. And when Jesus says this, you almost have to hear it as if he's saying, "Like this is the best news ever, disciples. Okay, that was really bad news. I know, my death is going to be tough, bad news. But the good news even trumps my death. The good news is the Spirit of God is coming. Why else would he say, basically, to the disciples, like, guys, 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 lift your heads up. Around the house, we say, cheer up, Charlie. Like, Come on, cheer up, Charlie. I'm going to die. I'm going to leave you. But there's good news. See, in that moment, the disciples were consumed by the fact that they were going to be without without Jesus. But Jesus is the only one in that moment who's consumed by the fact that they're about to be with, with the Holy Spirit. And we would be excited about that too. The disciples should have been excited about that if they understood who that spirit was. You see, the spirit, this paraclete, he's no stranger. He's no slouch. He's not, he's not second-rate. The spirit that Jesus is talking about here, he's been part of the story since the very beginning of the story. This spirit that he's about to send to the disciples is the same spirit that was hovering over the waters at the very beginning. It's the same spirit that empowered the judges and the kings. It's the same spirit that filled the temple. It's the same spirit that impregnated Mary. It's the same spirit that anointed Jesus. That spirit, yeah, that one, he's coming to you. Oh, and not just to you, he's going to live in you. You think Jesus probably like took a bite of his bread like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you think about that? Right? The desire of God from the very beginning all the way back to the Garden of Eden, it's been to walk with us. It's meant to have a close, personal, intimate connection with us and to us. And at every turn of the scripture, God is taking that intimate connection just a little bit deeper. He's drawing us just a little bit closer and a little bit closer. right? So he's walking with Adam and Eve in the beginning. Then he goes before his people as a pillar of fire and smoke in the desert. And then with Jesus, he's literally standing right next to his people. And this desire to get closer and closer, well, it's about to get more personal than ever before. You see, the scripture can be explained in three major moves. The first is this. God has always been for us. In Jesus, God was suddenly with us. But now Jesus is saying when the Spirit comes, God will be in us. I don't know about you, but that's about as close as you can get. That's intimacy to a T, right? See, the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. We have God the Father, Jesus the Son, and now this Holy Spirit figure. We'll talk more about his role in that Trinity in the weeks and months to come. But really, he's kind of the, the third act in God's love story. He's this third move into having a relationship with you. See, when he created uh, humanity, he, 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 we met each other. It's kind of like that blind date. Like, oh, hi, I'm, I'm Adam. Hi, I'm God. Nice to meet you, Right? And then Jesus came down, so so they were able to spend time together. So first they met each other, then they were able to spend time with each other. But then the Holy Spirit comes and it's like, okay, we're taking this relationship to a whole new level. Now we're gonna be intimate with each other because we're going to be in each other. So He created us, we met, He came down so we could be with, and now He said, Now I'm gonna come and enter into. Oh, it's a whole nother level. This moment, this proclamation, this good news. According to Jesus, is the best news you could ever hear. In Luke eleven thirteen, he says the greatest gift that a father could give, the greatest gift the father could give to you, is the Holy Spirit. Like my, one of my love languages is gifts, so whenever I travel or whenever I'm out and about, I'm like, I should buy the girls this little something. I should buy Becca this little trinket. Normally they hate it. They're like, thank, thank you, right? Like, like eh, it's gifts. Hey, now where's mine? I think one of God's love languages is gifts. He loves to give gifts. And the greatest gift, Jesus says, the Father could ever give you is the gift of his spirit. That's exactly what he's telling the disciples on this night. You see, guys, you need to understand this. Christianity does not stop at the cross. The cross is the the focal point of our faith, the center of our faith. But God wants us to move from the cross. Most of us are still sitting there at the cross, just kind of like sulking, like, I'm so sorry you had to do this. Jesus is like, no, I did it because you couldn't. I did it because I wanted to. I did it to free you. Now move on from the cross. He wants us to move from grace, which we receive at the cross, to glory. And Paul says greater levels of glory, from glory to glory to glory. See, at the cross, something happened. At the cross, something started. At the cross, uh, sin's power, this spirit that was in you, this spirit of death, the spirit of selfishness, the spirit of apathy, that spirit was removed, it was taken out, and it had the junk beat out of it. That spirit was literally destroyed. That spirit was completely overwhelmed. Jesus says he nailed that spirit, that spirit of death in you, he nailed that spirit to the cross. And in this moment, Jesus says, it's not just enough for that spirit to be removed, a new spirit needs to replace it. A new spirit needs to come into you, a spirit of life, a spirit of selflessness, a spirit of power, and I'll send it to you. I'll send you a new spirit, the Holy Spirit. Guys, I don't know about you, but I kind of get excited about this stuff. This is good news. This is really good news. All right, think about this with me just for a second. What is Jesus doing right now in this moment? What's he doing? Well, based upon the scripture, it says he's sitting at the right hand of God. All right? he is sitting at the right hand of God. So if he is literally sitting with God in the heavenly realm, that means that he is not here with us. Even though we like to talk about it or sing about it or pray about it, he's not here. He didn't tell the disciples, listen, I'm leaving you metaphorically speaking, or I'm leaving you just symbolically, I'll actually be in the back room. Oh, I'm leaving you. I'm going to be gone. And the same is true now. He's gone. He's not with us. Now his name, his power, right, all those things are still present, still with us, but he himself is not. And that would cause most of us to be a little upset. Like, I wanna be with God. I wanna spend some time with God. He says, okay, well, I'm leaving, but I'm sending you another. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is the fullest manifestation of God in our lives right now. It's as close to God as we can get right now. Some of us are trying to find Jesus, and I understand that, but really, He's right here with you, in here actually, with you. God is that close. It's not about Jesus right now, it's about the Holy Spirit. Not that he's more important, but the Holy Spirit is going to draw us closer to Jesus, teach us more about Jesus, remind us of the teachings of Jesus. So it's not that Jesus is here with us or we need to force him to be here. No, he's at the right hand of God. Man, his legs are up, his hands are probably back. He's like, yes. I think he's probably got a cigar. He's like, man. But the fact that he's there means he's not here, but that's okay because there's another one who is here. He sent another to be with us. And that other is the is Holy Spirit. And Jesus says he will actually be with us forever. You see, Jesus is, was somewhat limited on this earth, and he says the Holy Spirit will not be. Jesus' power and his ability and his presence was somewhat finite on the earth, but the Holy Spirit's power will not be. And that's why he says you, were, you should be so excited right now because the Spirit is coming, one who is even more beneficial than me, one whose presence is even more beneficial to you than mine has been. That's a crazy statement. Isn't it more beneficial than Jesus? Well, Jesus himself said it. The Holy Spirit's coming, and just watch out. All right, now, I know what some of you were thinking. We start talking about the Holy Spirit, and automatically you think, like, oh, no. Oh, boy, here, here we go, right? Oh, great. Tongues, dancing, snakes, hooting, hollering, healings, TV evangelists, people being slain in the Spirit. All right, all that stuff flashes through your mind and causes you to get a little stressed out. A little freaked out, a little nervous. Well, don't worry. We're not gonna do those things till week three, okay? So, but here's the thing. If you were like most people, you probably have developed an incomplete view of the Holy Spirit over the years. You've probably developed an inaccurate view of the Holy Spirit over the years, from bad teaching to bad experiences, from strange stories to strange stereotypes. The, the Holy Spirit has been debated and disagreed upon since he first debuted in scripture, But here's the thing, just because there are a bunch of weird views out there, just because people have abused the subject over the years, just because there are a lot of counterfeit expressions out there and massive misunderstandings, it doesn't mean there isn't a real thing. In fact, because there are so many counterfeit expressions, because there are so many fake forms of the Spirit, that proves to me the existence of the real thing. And it proves to me the power and importance of the real thing. You don't make a fake of a fake. You make a fake of something super valuable. So the real Spirit has to be incredibly valuable for so many people to want it and to try to manufacture it in their lives. It's amazing to me, though, how people talk about the Spirit or relate to the Holy Spirit. For some of us, the Holy Spirit is like a superstar celebrity that we kind of name drop every now and again. It's like, yeah, me and uh, the Holy Spirit, (laughs) yeah, we go way back. We've had some crazy times together. There was that one time, woo. Then last week, I, pff, I don't even know if I should tell you this, right? It's like, who are you talking about? And, and, and if you were really pressed for it, yeah, you probably wouldn't say that you have a relationship with him. And if he was really pressed for it, you're not sure that he would even know your name. So you drop his name like he's a superstar celebrity that you were really close to. But you're not. Others of us relate to the Holy Spirit like he's the awkward uncle that comes over for Thanksgiving dinner every couple years, right? It's like, oh, Great. He's here. Right, he livens up the party just a little bit, but he also stresses you out and freaks you out, and so you wish you just kind of like keep it calm. like Keep it together, Frank. Keep it together. It's kind of how we are for the Holy Spirit. It's like, ah, he's here. I don't know what you're going to do right now, but just keep it together. Lunch is at 12.15, okay? But most of us, if we're honest, we don't relate to him at all because we don't know anything about him at all. We don't know him at all little boy was praying one night at dinner and he said this thank you god son and holy toast that little boy isn't alone though when it comes to misunderstanding the holy ghost the holy spirit listen to some of the most popular books and best-selling books that are out there on the holy spirit right now forgotten god the god i never knew what about me Seems as if we haven't spent a lot of time talking about this spirit, have we? Seems as if we don't know a whole lot about this spirit, do we? Listen to the way one author put it. While no Christian person would ever deny the Holy Spirit's existence, I'm willing to bet there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say they've experienced his presence or action in their lives over the past year. And many of them don't even believe they can you see, church, when Jesus talked to the disciples in this upper room the night before he died, when he talked about sending this helper, when he talked about sending this powerful presence, when he talked about sending this advocate, this counselor, he wasn't merely talking to them. He was talking to us. He wasn't merely talking just to the first group of disciples or to the early church or to help get the ball rolling when it came to Christianity. He was talking to every Christian for all time. See, there is not a single verse in all of Scripture that relegates the importance, the presence, or the powerful movement of the Holy Spirit to the New Testament church or to the first church. not a single one. There are some traditions out there. It's like the Holy Spirit, he only had to help them at first. He's no longer available. Well, in Christian love, I say you're an idiot if you believe that because the Bible actually speaks and teaches otherwise. Acts 2.38, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Spirit is only for the first 12 disciples because they are super special to the Lord, and he only wants to give the Spirit to them and only them. From now on, you are going to read about the Holy Spirit and say, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we had him ourselves? Is that how that verse goes? Oh, no, wait, I think I read it wrong. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. The Spirit is for all whom the Lord is going to call. The Spirit of God was not something that was given to the early church or to get the ball rolling. He's not given to the elite or just to the preachers and the pastors. The Spirit of God is your Father's greatest gift to you. It's his beloved child. The moment you accept Christ, in fact, even before that, the Spirit of God has been given to you and God wants to fan it in the flame. He wants to send it in even greater ways. Most of us long for that gift, don't you? I mean, I know that I do. I don't know if if you resonate with this or if you can relate, but I long for something more. I mean, tell me that you don't feel it too. Tell me that you don't feel it. Something is kind of missing from our faith. Something is is missing from our experience of of God and his power. Tell me like you don't feel like there's something deeper, something more, something else out there for us. Tell me your heart doesn't hunger and crave for more. You don't actually have to tell me because the fact that most churches are apathetic and dying that people get more excited about their football team than their faith, or that there are still people that have never heard about or tasted the goodness of God, that tells me enough. We don't live in the Spirit. We don't live through the power of the Spirit. Something is missing. And so we just kind of make it up. We manufacture excitement. We settle for the predictable. We think if we get little goosebumps during a song, like, Holy Spirit's moving! When I read the Scripture, he moved in a lot more powerful ways than goosebumps. Like, goosebumps are cool. It's a good start, but... There's, there's more than that see and this is an interesting thing i don't know if you know this about the mormon church but in albuquerque when we ministered there for many years we had a bunch of mormon people coming over to the, the ministry house to have lunch with us it was awesome they ate a lot they walk a lot so they had to eat a lot so i call a lady in our church who was a, a, left the mormon church she wrote a book called the mormon mirage i said how do we minister to these guys how do we bring them to the truth of jesus So the only thing you can tell a Mormon person is that you were completely satisfied in Christianity. You were completely satisfied in Christ. Because every Mormon has been taught that every Christian is secretly discontent with Jesus. That we want something more, that we need something more. What's their answer to the problem? Joseph Smith. Oh, Christian, you need more, right? You want more? Here's the answer. It's Joseph Smith. It's more prophecy. It's more teaching. Here's the answer to your heart's discontentment. Oh, it's fascinating He's like, yeah, I am discontent. I do want more, but it's not of Joseph Smith. It's of Jesus' spirit. That's what I want more of. And I, and I am discontent. I do long for a greater experience. I do long for more out of my Christianity, but I don't need another prophet. I don't need another book. I don't need some golden tablets. I need the spirit of the living God. That's what I want more of. So they have it right at one level, like I am discontent, but the answer, Jesus says, that night before he died is found in the Holy Spirit. Oh, you want more of him? Well, come on then. John 3, 34, the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. That's why we entitled the series Limitless. Yeah, it's a sweet movie and kind of a cool show, and now a new song, like everybody's on the Limitless bandwagon. But you know why we call this series Limitless? Because the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the life of God, the power of God, the help of God is available to you without limit. So if there's any limitations right now in your experience of God, if there's any restrictions, roadblocks, boundaries, it's on our side, not his. That's why Paul speaks, if we're gonna look at this over the next few weeks together, fan into flame the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Stay in step with the Holy Spirit. We play a role in this relationship, and many of us have kind of done one of these with this relationship, like, that, like Like, this is, this is all I do when it comes to the Holy Spirit. No, we play an active role. He's gonna send him to us. He's living in us. But you don't want him to be that awkward guy on the couch, right, that's living with you that you don't know that happens one time at Pepperdine, i go into these guys room i'm like hey let's play some catan or whatever we were doing you know ministry so it's like we're playing at, at their at their table it's a dorm room so it's not very big but i look over and there's like this 40 year old black man laying on these college kids couch and they don't seem to be disturbed by this reality so we keep playing a little bit more and finally i just have to ask i'm like guys who's the dude on the couch actually a guy they took in from the streets pepperdine didn't like that so much and we had to kind of figure out what else to do but i love their heart i love that spirit but i think the holy spirit is kind of like that in many of our lives he's there he's kind of crashed out over on the couch but if i walked into your spirit your inner man your inner woman like who who is that over there do you know who that is i want to know who he is and i want you to know who he is as well i want to wake him up all right side note here last point real fast uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff, a lot of people are going to ask for a healthy balance, right? There's a lot of extremes out there when it comes to the spirit. So maybe one of our goals should be to just find this middle ground, right? Kind of between like the cuckoo over on this end and then the like, who? Those are the two extremes, okay? Cuckoo. Who? You with me? So let's just go somewhere in between. Like, cuckoo. That's stupid. But every book, well, not every book, but a lot of books I've been reading, a lot of the sermons I've been listening to, it's all about let's find a healthy balance. Let's not go to this extreme or this extreme. I've got one problem with this though. If the Spirit is the fullest expression of God on the earth, if He is the manifest presence of God in my life, if He's as close to God as I can get, I don't want a healthy balance. I don't want to balance it out. As if I could have too much of God, as if I could be too close to the Spirit if I could love Jesus too much that's not true we should always want more of his truth always hope for more of his presence always long for more of his fruits always desire more of his power and chances are if we we get more if over the next couple of weeks and months we open ourselves to the spirit we realize who he is what he's doing and we find ways to unleash him we're going to be out of balance but that's okay with me because the first disciples were way out of balance I hope the same is true for this church so what are we gonna do the next few months? Well, uh, here's how I break it down. The first part of the series is gonna be described using the word unveiled. During those three or four weeks, we're gonna talk about the form and the function of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna look at who he is and what he does. Wind, dove, flame, water. Why does he manifest himself in those ways and what does that mean for us? What do each of those things do in us and do for us? From there, the word unleashed is gonna be most appropriate. At that point, we're gonna talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how does he manifest himself and his power and his presence in our lives? What does he help us to do? And then from there, we're gonna wrap it up with the word undeniable. We look at the fruits of the spirit. What a spirit-filled life will look like. What a spirit-filled life will feel like. So if the disciples were here with us now and we asked them, tell us about that Thursday night, that last dinner you had. Tell us about the good news and the bad news that we shared with you that night. I think they would all look at each other and kind of look at us and be like, ah, there wasn't any bad news that night. At first it sounded like really, really bad news, but it was the greatest news we'd ever heard. God went from being for us to with us to in us. And our lives were never the same after that moment. And I pray the same will be true for us in the next moments to come. Let me pray for that. And I'm gonna ask the band to come on up and lead us in one more song, a song appropriately titled Closer. because That's the desire. That's the cry of our heart, is to be as close to God as we possibly can. Father, the Holy Spirit is an interesting subject matter and one that has been used and abused over the years, and so we pray for humility, we pray for wisdom, we pray for your guidance as we move into this. Jesus said he will reveal truth and remind us of truth, and so we ask that he will do that right now and over the next few weeks and months as well. We want to know this Holy Spirit by name. We want to feel his presence in our lives. We no longer want him to be a stranger. We want him to be as close as possible. God, we ask that you will move in our hearts and our lives in some incredible ways over the next few weeks and months. We pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to manifest himself in powerful acts in our life as well as in uh, incredible fruit in our lives, God. You said, I wanna be closer to you. I wanna be so close that I'm gonna literally live inside of you. And we pray that we will accept that and embrace that and say we want more of it. Spirit, come. Spirit, empower us to do the things that the disciples did at the early church. Empower us to live like Jesus, to proclaim the name of Jesus. Uh, Empower us, God, to live uh, the Christian life to the absolute fullest. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.